But I am going to the 100th Psalm. Psalm 100. Very short chapter. Maybe you could even quote it by heart. But the psalmist says this, verse number one, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, He is God, It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good. Somebody say, the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Amen. That's a very short psalm. But there is a whole lot that's packed into those five short verses of Scripture. I won't preach on the entire psalm today, but I do want to focus on one particular passage there. And um, we won't make it through all of verse number two. This morning, but I want to talk to you on the subject of joyful service today. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This hundredth psalm, some scholars say, is the the culmination of a passage of psalms beginning with verse, or not verse, but with Psalm 93, if memory serves me correctly, that are entitled Coronation Psalms. It's the the coronation of a king, or it is the heralding of the coming of a king and so psalmist wrote a series of of psalms that were were lauding the the coming or the crowning of a king and they culminate in psalm 100 and so the psalmist 
said in verse number 1, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That noise that the psalmist talks about here has to do with the blast of a trumpet. Now, he is not saying that everybody should blast with trumpets to make that joyful noise. But what he is indicating here is that the noise is to be so vibrant and it is to be so penetrating that it is to resemble the sounding of the trumpet or trumpets, plural, as the king begins to arrive. Again, picture the, the coronation ceremony of a king that is arriving at the palace and people begin to heap praise upon that king and 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 trumpets begin to blast at, as an indication to all of the congregants that the king is now arriving so the idea of the psalmist when he said to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, the, again, the idea here is the, 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 the sound of that noise is to be so vibrant and so joyful and so loud as to resemble the penetrating sound of a trumpet as the king begins to arrive. Now, I'm not going to spend long on this point other than to say that I, I don't believe the intent of God when it comes to worship is that praise should be a silent thing. I understand there's a difference between praise and, and worship. Sometimes worship can be silent. But praise to the Lord, it is always a noisome affair. You're, you're giving Him praise. You're giving Him honor. You are heaping glory upon Him. You are heaping upon Him thanks and appreciation for the things that he has done that's why that's why the psalmist in psalm 107 made the statement four times in that one psalm oh that men would praise the lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works unto the children of men if you've ever studied that that psalm, then you know that the psalmist recaps some of the history of the nation Israel. 
and the works that God had done in their midst and how God had provided for them and how God had shielded them and, and, and protected them and, and had uh, uh, and given them everything that they needed. And so the psalmist recaps some of the history and then he closes that particular passage with, with that lament. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works unto the children of men. The Bible intends that God praise Him for what He does. We worship Him because of who He is. But we praise Him for His actions. Amen. Has anybody here this morning been blessed by God? Is anybody here today that has been touched by the hand of God? I feel His touch right now in this place. Anybody in here been healed by the power of God? You have been delivered by the power of God. Amen. Are you here today that your sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb? That Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Then I believe as the psalmist says that you you need to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. You should praise Him because of what He has done. You should praise Him because of His work in your life. You should praise Him because He cares for you every day. You should praise Him because like the song says, He knows how to take care of what belongs to Him. And I'm telling you, I belong to Him today. And I'm going to praise Him today. I'm going to belong to Him tomorrow. And I will praise Him tomorrow. But notice the psalmist said too that all the lands are to praise Him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands. Now, I, I have read several authors and biblical scholars that says that this particular psalm has application particularly in the millennial reign of Christ. And, and, and the fact that the psalmist says, All ye land is proof according to some that um, that the intent here is for the time of the millennium. And, and that may be true. This psalm, you know, through the inspiration uh, of the Holy Ghost, the writer may have seen the millennial reign of Christ and, and penned this psalm, I, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you now, it's not the will of God that all lands make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but wait until the millennial reign of Christ to do so. 
It's the will of God that people make a joyful noise unto the Lord right now. Amen. It's the will of God that people make a joyful noise unto the Lord every day that God gives breath in their body. Because here's the thing. I believe anything and anybody can praise God. I believe the drunk on the street corner can praise God. I believe that that the prostitute that's down on the street corner can praise God. God. Amen. And it's the will of God that they praise Him. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, those of us that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we ought to be ready with a praise of God on in our heart and on our lips every moment of our lives, every moment of every day. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh, you hands. Amen. It's the will of God. It's the intent of God that you praise Him. Make that noise, that joyful noise. But then we come to verse number 2 and the psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness. There's a difference between experiencing salvation And serving God. I can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I have to serve God as well. And that serving is sometimes what gives us a lot of problems. You know, it's just a fact. People don't like physical labor. Amen. You know, in in our our industry, in my in my industry, it's physically intensive, and it it is extremely difficult to get people nowadays that want to work. You know, we've. We've had a turnover in our our company here, you know, as as of late. And my boss called me one day on the phone, and and we were talking about the the problems that we have with job force in, in our industry. And I said, here here's the thing, you know, this this is this work is labor intensive. You take a guy, you take a young man that's not accustomed. You know, to something like this. You get him out of his parents' basement or you get him out of his bedroom and get him off of his computers and his devices and and, and you posit him in a labor-intensive job and that heat index starts creeping up around 105, it's not going to take long that he's going to bail out. He's going to say, you know what, I, you know, I may not make the money sitting at home, but it's, it's a whole lot easier to sit at the house than, than it is to, to actually labor. I know in, in our time, physical labor is viewed as drudgery. It's something that a lot of people don't want to be involved in. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm fully aware that we are living in a different generation than our forefathers. I was talking to my mom the other day about my grandmother, and you know, and they they had a big garden, and my grandmother, 
uh, would, would, you know, plow and make her rows and, and she would cultivate with a push plow. And, and there would be times that she would tie a rope to my belt and, and I, I would be her mule and she would holler gee and haw and for what direction. And I'm, you know, and I, I told my mom, I said, you know what? I, I didn't, I couldn't separate the difference between gee and haw back then and I still can't. And my granny would get so tickled, she'd holler for me to stop pulling. And I'd turn around, and she's already dropped the plow, you know, out of her hands. It's been over slapping her knees, laughing, because I can't get them straight. You know, and, but it was, it was labor intensive. And we're living in a different generation than our forefathers. There, there are people who, uh, who do not make their living by vocations requiring lots of physical activity. I know that technology has a lot to do with that today. And, and, but our forefathers understood the concept of, of hard work. And, and, and they, they couldn't be lazy people and survive. Because if they didn't work, they didn't eat. If they didn't work, they didn't pay the doctor bill. If they didn't work, they didn't pay the dentist bill. If they didn't work, they didn't put gas in the vehicle or gas or diesel in, in, in the tractor. And, and, and they had to work to survive. Their existence depended to a large degree upon the work of their hands. And, and, and they were tougher people than what we are being, uh, or what we are, are producing today, both physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, there are no means to alleviate labor. Because the work of God's kingdom is, is kind of like this. It's, it's like roll up your sleeves, hard work. That there are no technological devices that's going to produce revival. That there are no technological works that is going to produce healing in your life. There are, there are no devices that you can punch and dial up the miracles that some of you need in your body, your spirit, and even in your mind. It, it's not going to produce it. The production of the Spirit of God in your life is still the result of warfare praying and of fasting and of the crucifixion of the flesh. And all of these things are hard work. Amen. When you pray and when you really pray, it's more than just getting down and just saying just a few words to the Lord and getting up and going on about your business. Amen. Fasting is certainly more, is harder, amen, than just saying I'm going to push back the plate for a meal or two. But, but when you begin to fast because I need to see something from God and you fast because I need a healing or my child needs deliverance, that's not easy to do because that flesh begins to cry out I need something I need you to help me I need you to pacify the hunger that's down inside of me and it's a hard thing to keep pushing back and pushing back and pushing back it's hard work the scripture has something to say against the attitude of those who disdain 
physical activity. The wise man Solomon said in chapter 12 and verse 24 of his writing, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slowful shall be under tribute. He's talking about those that just don't, they, they don't want to do anything. The slowful shall be under tribute. He said later in that same chapter, the slothful man roasteth not what he, t- what he took in hunting. So here he gives the picture of, of a man that's hunting and he, he slays his prey. But yet he's too lazy to prepare it and cook it. He just lets it go to waste and, and, and doesn't utilize that which he took for his food. He said the slothful man roasteth. Not that which he took in hunting. In chapter 15, he says, The way of the slothful man is as an edge of thorns. In chapter 18, he said, He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Because what Solomon is saying is that one that disdains activity or or physical activity in this in this particular context is the same as as somebody who is a great waster. He's a brother. He said in chapter nineteen, the slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. He's saying that one is so lazy that he won't even feed himself. In chapter 21, he says, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. In chapter 22, he said, The slothful man saith, There's a lion without, and I shall be slain in the streets. He said that there, the, the slothful man looks out and says, there, There's a lion out there somewhere. So, uh, but, And if I go out, I, I'm going to be slain, so I'm just not going to do anything. Really the concept he's, he's trying to get across is he's saying there's some kind of obstacle out there and I and I'm just I'm just not even going to deal with the obstacle. I'm not I'm just not going to to uh, to approach the obstacle that is in my way to to per, that prevents me from doing what needs to be done. He said in chapter 24, he said I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and low it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down he said i went by the field i went by the the field of that man that just did not want to do anything and the vineyard of that man that was void of understanding and it was grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face of it and even the stone wall that was built for protection and for separation it was broken down and so anything could just come in because because the man was just too careless he was just too lazy he just he just didn't care enough to take care of what he had already built. It's kind of like the farmer, you know, that puts the seed in the ground and then just does nothing else and just sits back and says, I'm going to reap a crop. I'm going to get a reward for the labor that I have done not understanding that farming is labor intensive. you got to go out there and you've got to deal with weeds. You've got to deal with competitive plants. You've got to deal with 
with irrigation. You've got to deal with insects and diseases. It's a hard thing. And Solomon said, the, the slowful just don't care enough to take care. That word slowful in the Hebrew is to lean idly. It's to be indolent or slack and it's to be sluggish. But understand now, we're not talking about farming. We're not talking about, uh, you know, about physical vocations. We're, we're talking about an attitude in serving the Lord. And so the psalmist in Psalm 100, in verse number 2, he's talking about how you deal with God. How your relationship is with God. Because there's more to serving God than just repenting and, and being baptized in water in the name. And being filled with His Spirit. There, that's not serving. And let me tell you this. Even coming to church, paying your tithe and giving offering. Doing your little clap. You know, raising your hands every once in a while. That's not serving God either. Amen. Serving God is what you do once you leave the house of God. Amen. You serve Him. What is that talking about? You're working in the kingdom of God. We're not just standing idly by. And, and the psalmist says, when it comes to your relationship with God and the kingdom of God, you, you, can, you, can, you can make a joyful noise unto the Lord but there comes a time that you've got to serve Him and you serve Him with gladness so you serve that, that word serve in the Hebrew means to work to enslave is to be a bondman that word according to Greeks or, or to Webster's dictionary is to work for or to be a servant to. Is to be of assistance to, to or promote the interest of. So when David said, serve the Lord, he's not speaking of living for him. And again, we think when we serve God, that means that we are to live for Him. But that is not true. When you serve someone, you attend to their interest. When you serve someone, you work for them. You labor for them. You are the servants to them. And the psalmist says, when I work for Him, you hear me? When I work for Him. I, I, don't, I don't think you heard me. When you work for Him. When you work for Him. When you roll up your sleeves and you begin to minister to people, that's working for Him. When you roll up your sleeves and you go pray for somebody, that's working for Him. 
when you roll up your sleeves and you knock on the door of somebody's house and you invite them to the house of God. That's working for Him. That's serving God. That's promoting the interest of God. That's doing His work. That's doing His will. Then the psalmist said, you are to do that with gladness. Not with drudgery. Not with despondency. Amen. Not not doing it begrudgingly. Not having to be compelled. Because when I'm compelled to do something, I'm not doing it with gladness. I'm doing it begrudgingly. I'm doing this because the preacher said I got to do it. I'm doing this because if, if I don't, probably going to hear a sermon about it. I'm, I'm doing this. I don't really expect anything to happen because of it, but I'm doing it because somebody said this is part of serving God. That is certainly not the concept of what David is saying in Psalms 102. He said when it would serve and when, when your relationship with God gets to the point of you having to labor or you have to represent the interest of your God and your King that is coming. When you have to promote the interest of the King that you worship and that you praise with a joyful noise. Amen. He said when it comes down to the time that you have to get involved and it gets hard and you've got to roll up your sleeves. He said you've got to serve the Lord, and you've got to do this with gladness. Anybody glad to serve Him? Anybody glad to serve the Lord? You serve Him, you represent His interest. The Bible has something to say about our service to God. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 12. The Bible says, And now Israel, why doth the Lord, or what? Rather, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in, his, in all His ways, and to love Him. Listen to this. And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul. What, what God is telling Israel that His requirements of them are, are to fear the Lord. Walk in His ways and to love Him. 
But when it comes to serving God, He said, here's how you deserve Me. You do it with, with all your heart and with all of your soul. What God is telling Israel, it is that you can walk in My ways, you can fear Me, amen, you can love Me, but when it comes time to serve Me, you've got to put everything that you've got in serving for Me. You've got to put everything that you have in representing my interest. You've got to put everything you have in working for me. You've got to put everything that you have got into serving the Lord. Amen. You can walk in Him. You can talk with Him. You can love Him. But when you serve Him, you've got to do it with everything that's in you. writer to Hebrews said wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear he said you do this with with gladness You attend to the interest of God with gladness. That word gladness in the Hebrew talks about glee. It talks about exceeding joy. Exceeding pleasure. Exceeding rejoicing. Amen. I'll I'll say again. It talks about exceeding gladness, exceeding joy, exceeding pleasure, exceeding rejoicing. That means if I serve God in the manner that God intends me to serve Him, there's going to be be, be more than just gladness. But my gladness in doing so is going to be exceeding gladness. I'm going to have joy in serving God. But that joy is just going to go beyond just joy. It's going to be an abundant joy. It's going to be abundant pleasure. It's going to be abundant rejoicing that I serve Him with. And here, if we're not careful, we have a very difficult time of even making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serving with gladness is something that our grandparents did. Now, serving God is supposed to be easy. We've got all of this technology. We've got all of our devices that we can spread the gospel to the far ends of the earth because everybody's connected nowadays and and then we can spend the rest of our time just once I once I post some positive stuff on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram 
No telling where that can go, preacher. Or what kind of effect that it can have. Well, I agree. But that does not alleviate you from serving the Lord. Because serving God is more than punching a few buttons. And plastering John 3.16 all over social media. And I'm not against that. There, there should be more of that than what some of you are doing. But that's not all there is to serving God. So, so don't, don't think that just because I thump a few buttons and I put this pretty little scripture up there for all of the world to see or I post some kind of you know, favorable comment for everybody to see, then oh, bless God, I've, I've served God today. No, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If we are going to claim to be apostolic, we got to be apostolic. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, being apostolic is more than punching a few buttons. Because I remember a little old woman that was, that was my granny, that it didn't matter what she was doing or how inconvenienced it seemed to make her. But if God impressed upon her to do something, she's going to do it right then. She's not going to wait another moment. My granny's one that would have symptomatic pains. Amen. Anybody know about symptomatic pains? Amen. Symptomatic pains are pains that a child of God used to could get in their body as a signal, you know, that says, hey, somebody's got a problem and God wants me to pray for them that God would heal them and touch them amen where we are today we get that pain in our body we're running for the pill bottle amen to try to alleviate the pain in our own body amen but serving God is something that every once in a while you're going to have to roll up your sleeves you're going to have to get in the car you're going to have to go see somebody you're going to have to pray with somebody you're going to have to give somebody a Bible study. And you do it, the psalmist said, with gladness. Amen. With gladness. Exceeding joy. Exceeding happiness. Exceeding Rejoicing. David said in Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 8, he said, I delight to do thy will, O God. David is saying, it's not a drudgery to do your will. It doesn't make me sad. It doesn't make me depressed. It doesn't make me anxious. You know, it, it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't get me down. It doesn't inconvenience me. God, I delight to do Your will. It's a joy for me. It's a pleasure for me. It's exciting to me to be able to do your 
will. There should be an excitement in us to serve the Lord's interest. Put a smile on your face and work. Amen. Put a smile on your face and and work. When you're involved in God's business, you're participating in the most important work in this world. We went to Miss Emma's funeral yesterday. That Baptist church up the road was packed with people. Miss Emma worked with social workers. She she worked for over 30 years down here at Captain D's. She drove a school bus. She raised foster children. Somebody got up yesterday and said she was always, every time I went to her house, she was always cooking. And 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 said, I asked her, you know why? Ms. Emma, why are, you, why are you always cooking? Why do you cook so much food? She said, because my boys got to eat. And we don't eat sandwiches around here. And, and people started asking. One lady said, and I may remember, not remember the order of it. But one lady said, how many of you have eaten at Miss Emma's house? Raise your, raise your left hand. I looked around. And almost everybody in that church had raised their hand. How many has ever eaten with Emma at Captain D's? Raise your right hand. Looked around and all those people, I'm like, my Lord. Whoever owns Captain D's in this town is, is rich. If you're here that Miss Emma has ever given you any kind of advice... Raise both of your hands. I looked around and almost everybody in that building had their hands raised. And I sit there, Brother Tim, and I'm looking at this and I'm listening and I'm observing. And I said, my God, if if one woman could do this for all of these people. And she didn't even know the truth of God's Word. What kind of an impact could one child of God have in this city that said, I'm going to serve Him with gladness. I'm not going to sit by and watch somebody else do it. I, I, I'm not going to sit 
and watch Miss Emma do it because Miss Emma will do it. And, and as long as it gets done, it doesn't matter who does it. If Miss Emma do it, then I'll, I'll just sit here and just let Miss Emma do it because she'll do it. You want me to bring it down home where we, where we, where we are? We, we got a preacher that'll do it. He'll come to the house of God and he'll work himself silly. Try to drag us into praise and drag us into worship and try and get us to worship God on a holiday weekend. And if he'll do it, as long as it gets done, as long as somebody does it, as long as Emma will do it, Emma worked herself to death, it sounds like. We came in here this morning. And I'm not going to say who. But somebody said, when I die, sure ain't going to have all them people at my funeral that Emma had at hers. Let me tell you what I really thought. I thought if we impacted our world like Emma impacted hers, there would be. We love that part of the song. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye land. We quote it, and we quote it, and we quote it. But when it comes to serve the Lord with gladness, we kind of get lost by the wayside there. That's the hard part. Making a joyful noise is easy. But when it comes to serving, I just, I don't know about that. I have trouble with that. I'm talking about joyful service today. I'm talking about joyful service to the Lord. Amen? Amen. We've already established the fact in our studies and everybody's going to stand before God, the church, when it's raptured out of this world. Going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul said. What you have done in this life is going to be judged by God, whether it be good or whether it be bad. It's not talking about the difference between righteousness and sin. And Paul's just saying there's some things you can do, even as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, it's not going to mount up to a whole lot. Why? Because we'll let Emma do it. And it's like one of the preachers said yesterday, Emma's gone now. Emma is gone. 
She's done her last work, her last deed. And he said, somebody, somebody needs to step up and take Emma's place in this world. And can I tell you this morning in closing, somebody as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, somebody should stand in the place of Emma. That says it's not too hard. It's not too laborious. It, it's, not, it's not a job that's going to get the accolades of everybody around. It's not that kind of job. But because it needs to be done, I'm going to do it. Because it needs to be done, I'll stand. I'll do it. I'll serve Him with gladness. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I understand, I know, this is not very evangelistic. It'd been nice to have just hung out on, make a joyful noise to the Lord, but that's not all the Scripture has to say. But the church of the living God of this day needs those who will represent the interest of our King that we're so fond of coronating. And listen, there's nothing wrong with coronating the King. There's nothing wrong with the blast of trumpets and praise to the Lord. There's absolutely nothing wrong with lifting the voice to the degree and it's almost as if the sound is the piercing sound of a trumpet announcing the arrival of the king. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that and we should do more than we do of that. But turn right around and the psalmist says, Now when you have made a joyful noise unto the Lord, now you serve Him with gladness. How many want to represent Him today? How many want to represent the interest of the King that we laud and we throw praises on Him and, and, and we heap worship upon Him and rightfully so. But as much as we praise Him, He's looking for us to serve Him with gladness. As much as we heap coronations on Him because of His mighty acts and His excellent greatness, He intends for Him, for us to serve Him with gladness to the same degree. Amen? Amen. I want us to lift our hands all over this building. We have a great task ahead of us. The end is not yet. And the church has a tremendous task. We need servants in the house of God. Servants in the kingdom of God. Men and women who are not afraid to roll their sleeves up and say if there's somebody 
needed to do that. I'm the man you're looking for. I'm the woman that you're looking for. I'll serve Him with all of my heart. I'll serve Him with all of my mind. And while I'm serving to that capacity, I'm going to do it with gladness. That is exceeding joy. Exceeding happiness. Exceeding exuberance. Hallelujah to God.